Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... One of the interesting things as well is if you create a commercial enterprise that's successful, do you feel bad because you're making money as well? Mm. So it's, it's kind of like you get pulled in two directions as well as a result of that. I totally agree with that. A part of our responsibility, I guess, is sharing our good fortune with others. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 379 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Troy Casey and Amanda Heyman. Troy is a proud Aboriginal man from Kamilaroi country, northwest New South Wales, and Amanda Heyman grew up in Logan City and has cultural connections in Kalkadoon and Waka Waka country. Together, they run Blacklash Creative, a 100% Aboriginal-owned creative agency specialising in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art and design. Aboriginal Art Co., a not-for-profit organisation committed to creating social impacts for artists and their communities through the promotion of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander arts, is also a big project that the pair are running, alongside Magpie Goose, which is a proudly Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise, combining fashion and social impact to create unique, wearable garments designed to make a statement. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Troy and Amanda's perspectives on the state of impact-led and First Nations entrepreneurship in Australia. We'll get their insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and no doubt hear some pretty solid lessons from their experience setting up these multiple organizations. So Troy and Amanda, it's a pleasure to have you both here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure. I think I might have been on this podcast previously, but we've probably got another few hats since that conversation, so certainly timely. Indeed you were, Troy. I believe it was a First Nations panel that we recorded a few years ago now, so it's lovely to have you both back here and putting the feature on both of you. So kicking things off then, could you guys share a bit about your background and what it was that led to your passion in First Nations business and social enterprise? I'll start. So I've always had an interest in visual arts and so I studied that at university and then went into creative arts career and then ended up in a state government institution for a fair few years and then decided to take the leap of faith and create Blacklash and Troy joined me on that pathway like very soon afterwards. I think We'd always delivered projects in collaboration with community in our previous roles. I worked for the government, I've worked for other not-for-profit organisations yep. and when Amanda and I met up, I was working at an Aboriginal creative agency, Carbon Creative, and I think 
we just kept getting asked to do projects outside of our normal yeah. jobs. And around the Commonwealth Games time, we won a few contracts and delivered a series of projects for the Commonwealth Games. That was the launching pad for us. But everything we do is always around creating economic opportunities for community, whether it's through arts, events, activations, and now across the multiple businesses we run. Absolutely. And it's great to see that blended experience just coming together and a clear demand for both of your work as well. So I mentioned earlier that you both co-founders at both Blacklash and Aboriginal Art Co. And we'll speak a little bit about Magpie Goose later. So we'd love to hear a bit more about the projects and work that you're involved in both of these organisations. Yeah, well, I might start with Blacklash. So Blacklash has recently, the last couple of years, I mean, we've had Blacklash now for six years. Yep. And recently has just changed over the last couple of years its trajectory from curating predominantly exhibitions and events, exhibitions inside gallery spaces and also some public programming, etc., into a more heavy focus on the built environment and First Nations placemaking. Mm. At the moment, we're working on a series of major infrastructure projects across the city and all of the big developments that are happening, like Waterfront Brisbane. We've been involved in Cross River Rail. We've also involved in some of the major developments that are happening as part of the Olympic Games at the Gabba, etc. And a lot of that stemmed from art curation into public art. And Mm. then from there, there's this natural trajectory into actually thinking about placemaking more broadly and that has led us into really specializing in all things built environment from a master planning level all the way down to fabricating an installation of public artworks as well it's certainly a sector that's growing really dramatically the need and desire for first nations narratives and stories to be embedded in the built environment which again allows us to create more opportunities for community to be involved in those projects. Until recently, we've been excluded, obviously, from those places historically. And now to actually think about a lens of developing major developments across the city and infrastructure projects with that as a focus is a real amazing change. Yes, And I'll let Amanda talk to what Aboriginal Arc has been delivering as well. Yeah, I guess when it was just Troy and myself as Blacklash, we had a very small office space that we shared down the back of a shop that we collaborate with yeah Yeah. yeah. west end vulture street the shop is called open house and it's still going strong but we curate the indigenous products throughout that space and there's a range of merchandise homewares body products and a lot of fashion through there as well Mm. but that was really successful even though we were just using it as a venue at the beginning we actually found that we were supporting so many businesses through that shop that we thought that it might be a really good experience to develop our own not-for-profit art gallery. Yeah. So that's what we did. We used that model to push forward for an art gallery, and now we're on Grey Street in Brisbane, just at the top of Fish Lane across from the Queensland Museum. We've got an art gallery and store in there. And we supply artwork from all over the country, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists, independent artists, as well as art centres are all our suppliers for mm. the shop there. At the moment as well, we run an artist residency project inside our space. We have a small studio that we recently had a range of submissions come through for a series of artist residencies, mm. and that's really 
again, talks to the way that we want to do business is to be able to support emerging artists as much as established artists in this yeah. space and the residency projects and the outcomes are developed into an exhibition every couple of months. So it's another exciting little program that we're running out of Aboriginal Art Co. as well. There's so many great things happening there. And in the meantime, literally last year, you became co-owners of fashion brand Magpie Goose. And this is the first non-Indigenous company to transition to Indigenous ownership in Australia. So what then have been some of your biggest challenges in this Magpie Goose journey so far? And what lessons have you learnt as a result? Yeah, two years ago, actually, Tom. Two years ago, two weeks ago. Gosh, time has flown. The 1st of March 2021 was the official announcement of the transition and... Time flies. Yeah, time <laughs> does fly. It feels like yesterday. Time flies. <laughs> Felt like a year ago. And I think one of the things that all of your listeners and the social enterprise community understand is that social enterprise is hard work. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not an easy way to go about things, but what it makes you do is realise that the impact you create is the most significant part of the work you do. And that, for us felt like an easy transition in terms of our businesses are already social enterprises by technicality, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Whilst we don't call them that, um, like Blacklash, for example, is a similar way. Yeah. Mag had a really great following, a really amazing brand, and given our skill sets, it was a bit of an obvious. Maggie and Laura were certainly going to think of anyone then and were really excited that it was us. Yeah. It's been hard we're not going to lie and I think we've always communicated very clearly that it's a fashion particularly is a really tough industry yeah as when you do things ethically and when you do things with the least environmental impact when you make things in Australia all the things I just mentioned have big dollar symbols yes. next to them yeah. and, um, <laughs> and of course the artist licensing fees and yeah all those um, adds up really, really quickly but that's the beauty of the product. We're really excited by the brand and the growth of the brand still and really excited to see the next couple of collections coming up. We've been able to work with some really exciting art centres and emerging artists and just continuing that impact. After this next collection, we'll be pushing over $700,000 worth of royalty payments to artists. So yeah, it's incredible. It is big impact and it does help these communities and artists in very remote places. It's a fantastic brand and some lovely fashion coming out of it you can really see just how well you're curating and providing those opportunities too for those first nations artists to really have their designs and prints on some beautiful fashion and you mentioned troy as well that ultimately by default first nations businesses is typically like social enterprise right like it's it's the way that it is set up to improve community to consider community to tackle social cultural environmental issues yeah. So what is then your current take on the state of First Nations business in Australia? And where do you both see opportunities basically to improve our communities? What are you seeing right now? Yeah, such an interesting conversation. Whenever you speak to Aboriginal businesses, you'll, you'll stumble into this yarn. Yeah. It's even, I always say these statistics around Aboriginal business are 100 times more likely to employ Aboriginal people. Yeah. And I mean, all of our businesses are exactly a perfect example and testament to that statistic yeah but i think the way that our culture is and the way that we are as a community is always the horizontal hierarchy 
and the ability to share. Sharing is such a integral value to being Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander. Yeah. And it kind of isn't too dissimilar in business. It's kind of like, oh, I won this contract. Like, how can I share <laughs> the money that is involved in that contract and or allow other people to gain skills and insights so that they can start their own businesses? I think yeah. we're always trying to give a hand up to our community. And I think that for us is so critical to the work that we do. Yeah. But I think it's interesting as well because we don't start businesses as a charity either. Like, you know, it's not like looking to help our community in inverted commas. It's mm. more about supporting, growing and sharing. One of the interesting things as well is if you create a commercial enterprise, it's successful. It's Do you feel bad because you're making money as well? Mm. So it's, it's kind of like you get pulled in two directions as well as a result of that. I totally agree with that. A part of our responsibility is sharing our good fortune with others. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really hear that. It's interesting for you to bring up that point of is it bad to be making money? How do you feel about that? And it's funny the mindsets that we've come up against on the different programs we run working with different entrepreneurs and, and how there is and has been, I think, for a long time, this perception that money is dirty and can be a bad thing. And interesting then to see how ultimately any of this work in social enterprise without the generation of that money, of that revenue, there just quite simply typically just isn't the ability to create or sustain that impact. Correct. And so it's actually yeah. a great thing to be making money. It means that you can then be creating more impact. You can be creating more training, more totally. employment. You can be distributing yeah. more royalties to artists. You can be creating more fashion lines. And yeah. so it's an interesting narrative um, that it's, I think shifting. It's, it's really hard because at the end of the day, I guess the more money you make, in comes, the more money you make or the more money that your enterprise generates, Generally, the more impact you create or yeah. the more money your subcontractors or consultants or other community members who've engaged in the project also make. Yeah. So it's like this, this tension between being successful and generating lots of revenue and income. Yeah. But actually, at the end of the day, if you push that aside, what you're actually doing is just generating more impact. Yeah. And yeah. That's the critical part of the conversation that I think sometimes people forget is your rise to success also means your rise of impact. Yeah, it's a great point there, Troy. So what advice then would you be giving to other social entrepreneurs who are working hard to create this positive social impact? Really, it's about keeping your head down and bum up. Yeah. Amanda said this earlier that just working hard and understanding and realizing that hard work will pay off into positive outcomes for whatever reason your social enterprise exists. And I think if people forget about the short-term struggle that it often feels like, particularly in startup land, yep. and think about what your actual vision and mission is and that the hard work now will pay off in positive social returns to the community that your enterprise is in the end established for the betterment of. Yeah, that's a great response. Ultimately, to work hard and to keep your purpose and your why at the core of what you do to help you wake up and get out of bed on those tough days. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you both come across recently that's creating some great positive social change? I guess the next Magpie Goose collection is with a town camp in Alice Springs. Love it. So they're a community very close to the town there and 
I guess they've been known for screen printing onto tea towels and making those kind of merchandise. And so we've had the opportunity to go and run some workshops out of Tanganjira Art Centre and create new designs there. So we're really excited. The launch of that collection mid-year, so... That's what we've been working on in Magpie Goose. Mm. And obviously, like, our mates at Clothing the Gaps kicking goals as yeah. well. Like, just recently did a cool collab with, I think it's Homey, which is, like, yeah. a, another fashion brand that supports people who are homeless. And so that was a really interesting collaboration. I think that's exciting to see social enterprises collaborating together as yeah. well. The community is so supportive of each other in social enterprise circles and, That was a really nice collab to see recently. Super keen to see more of those collaborations coming as well. Yeah, whenever we go to Melbourne, we do pop-ups at Clothing the Gap. We also collaborate with Second Stitch. It's a social enterprise helping new migrants with employment through sewing and making of our accessories. That's fantastic. You named some fantastic enterprises there. We actually just recently interviewed Nick Pierce from Homey on the podcast. So there's a few episodes before you guys. And of course, Laura Thompson from Clothing the Gaps is amazing as well. Finishing off then, let's talk about some books or resources that you'd recommend to our listeners. Ooh, interesting. Books at the moment. What am I what am I reading? I mean, I really love the first knowledges series. Mm. So like I'm gonna probably pitch a few things here that are certainly around original knowledge, traditional knowledges and systems. The first knowledge series is one about design, country, songlines, plants and astronomy. Mm. I highly recommend those for people who want to sort of get a better understanding and baseline of Indigenous knowledges that are particularly focused on those key topics. Mm. Super great reads and certainly something that I think lots of people would take away some really great understandings. Sadly, I don't have any recommended reading because I don't get time to read anymore. But hopefully, in the future, after our three-year-old gets a little bit older, a handful, and I'll get the chance to read again. I think there was also another interesting uh, TEDx that I watched the other day, which is about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander like professionals and like cultural load Mm. burnout. But it was just a really interesting conversation about how we as Aboriginal people. We run businesses, we have these conversations on the side, we have responsibilities to community, we work in community organisations. Yeah. Like There's so many different parts to what we do that's not just business as usual yeah. and gives, again, like just broader understandings of what those responsibilities are for us. Mm. Another really good one to listen to for everyone, I think. Fantastic. As you said, we'll stick some links to the books and the TEDx talk. And Amanda, it's completely understandable as parents that juggling a three-year-old, it's not an easy feat alongside the various organizations that you're running. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have a little bit of your time today. And I really, really appreciate your really generous insights and your time. So thanks again, kind Amanda, and we'll look forward to following your journey. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.